Support for Community Connection comes from Open Door Health Services, welcoming new providers, Drs. Yusuf Barami and Shireen Grant in OB and family practice in Muncie. New patients and all insurance accepted. More information at opendoorhs.org. And support for Community Connection comes from the Ball State Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial institution providing savings and checking options, consumer lending, and mortgages, plus the mobile banking app featuring bill pay. More online at bsfcu.com. This is Community Connection, an IPR original program that talks with the people in the nonprofit world in our part of the state and lets you know how you can get involved. Hi, I'm Michelle Kinsey, and things are getting a little wild on this episode of Community Connection. We are talking about wildlife warriors, and in the room I have several of them, uh, and we'll let them introduce themselves first and how they are associated with wildlife warriors. Logan, do you want to start? Yes, hi, my name is Logan Carter, and I am the, I guess, mascot of Wildlife Warriors Indiana. I'm Tim Carter. I'm a professor here at Ball State University and one of the founders of Wildlife Warriors. Hi, I'm Julie Borgman. I'm the executive director for Redtail Land Conservancy, one of the collaborating partners for Wildlife Warriors. All right, Logan, do you want to start us off and tell us what is Wildlife Warriors and how did it get started? Wildlife Warriors is a group of kids about, how many do we have, 15 of them now? And we basically just go out, learn about nature. We can do field trips occasionally, and it's really, really fun. And basically, um, it got started when I was about 12 years old, and I was nominated to be part of a group called the Bat Squad. And I did a lot of volunteering with Red Tail Land Conservancy, and I got volunteers with my dad as well. And... During these volunteerings, I realized how little kids knew about nature. Some of them have never even seen a hawk feather before. So I was like, I can't deal with this. Some kids even asked me, like, Logan, how can I be like you? And that moment just struck me. Mm -hmm. So eventually I just came up with the idea of a nature club. Wonderful. And how long has the nature club been around? Uh, For about a few months now. Um, We've done about how many classes have we done now? Uh, we started back in January, well, February, yeah. I guess, and we've been doing meetings about once a month. And how old are the kids uh, who are involved with the group, Logan? Well, we have an age range of 10 to 15, so... Wonderful. <laughs> well, I know this is a collaboration between Ball State University and, and your department specifically, Tim, and Red Tail Conservancy. Can you talk a little bit about why it was important for you to get involved, Julie? Well, part of our mission, besides preserving and protecting land, is increasing awareness of our natural heritage, which basically means connecting people to their to the um, to natural areas, to the environment. And when I got to interact with Logan through a volunteer program we were doing at the Ross Community Center, um, to see a young person so engaged, so wanting to help other kids get connected, it was like we've got to make this happen. Wonderful. Now. Tim, talk about why uh, you felt it was important uh, to have this type of group, this type of club in in the area. Well, obviously, I've got a couple different motivating factors here. Um, he's my son. So, <laughs> you know, as a father, you've got to help out your kid when, when he's passionate about something. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a hard decision since we all understand that, you know, getting kids connected to nature is important if we want them to grow up and care about nature. Uh, as a professor in this field, uh, obviously, I get to work with a lot of amazing young people who are uh, wanting to get involved in nature. Uh, but I also get to see uh, through school groups that I interact with a lot of kids that don't know very much about nature. Uh, we realized that young, really young kids, you know, below 10 years old, they often have a lot of 
opportunities to to experience nature through you know various events and and fairs and things like that and then of course older kids above 15 they can do volunteer experiences at nature centers and things like that and we realized there's really a void in that 10 to 15 year old group where there really wasn't many opportunities for them to truly get involved in 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 the level and in the depth that I think they really wanted to so uh, you know through talking with Logan and Julie and others we kind of came up with this idea that you know we could probably start a nature club and and, uh, you know, we weren't sure if it would take off, and uh, it has taken off. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about how often you meet and kind of the things that you've already done in the club so far? Uh, so we've basically, um, we have already talked about hibernating, migrating, and toughing it out through the fall and winter. We've done, we've recently done a mussels uh, water trip. Uh, it was a float trip? Down float trip. On the White River. On the White River, looking at mussels. Yeah, we were floating down the White River looking at mussels. And, and it was not really the fun. mussels in your arms, no, no, right? No, no, what no, kind of mussels are no. we talking about? No, you're, no, we're talking about like clams mussels. Yes. And um, what else have we done? We've done salamanders, mm -hmm. and it was really fun. Um, we caught a lot of salamanders. How many did we catch again, Julie? Done, oh, boy, I, I don't even know. But it was like <laughs> an Easter egg hunt, like gone crazy. Wow. Kids rolling over logs and, yeah. and finding the salamanders. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Yeah. At the very end, we uh, took like little chips of bark and put the salamanders on and called it Salamander Express. Because <laughs> <laughs> there were so many. Yeah. yeah. But we've done um, insects. Yeah, insects. We've done trees, birds. Fish. Um, and we usually meet about once a month. Wow. So, yeah, pretty often. That's fantastic. Well, I think we should probably mention at this point that we have two other very special guests in the studio. And although they aren't behind mics, they are still very, very important to this episode of Community Connection. And Logan, do you want to tell us who the special guests are today? I would be honored to do so. Today we have two of some really cool animals. We have Petunia, which is a big brown bat, and Chocolate, which is another big brown bat. Now you say big brown bat, but they, I mean, they're not that big. Yeah, how would you, oh. how would you describe them for those I would that describe them as like, um, they're about only like three inches long Yeah. and they're actually kind of cute. If you look at their faces when they're not yelling and screaming at you, <laughs> like, why the heck are you bothering me? Yeah. <laughs> well, One you, happens to be talking right now. Yeah. yeah. When you uh, look at their faces, they actually kind of remind you of dogs. Mm -hmm. One, one bat was actually named the dog face bat because it looks so much like a dog. Oh, wow. Yeah. These guys kind of look like cute little puppies. <laughs> Hence the name. Uh, baby bats are often called pups. Oh, I did not know that. That's really interesting. Well, now Tim is holding one. Now, which one are you holding, Tim? I'm holding chocolate. And so we have chocolate and petunia. Um, they're two program animals. They were injured uh, earlier in their lives, and so they can't be released back into the wild. And so um, I've got them from a rehabilitator, and they live with me here at Ball State. And because they've been living with me for years now, three, four years, uh, they've gotten pretty used to people. And uh, they're, while Chocolate is, I always call him my grumpy Gus, um, he, he doesn't like to be messed with. He, he tolerates it well, and he, he just complains a lot. So let's see if he'll complain for us today. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm kind of petting him a little bit, and he says, stop it, leave me alone. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, he, he's, too, he's too cool and macho to be pet. But um, So this is Chocolate. He's got a uh, injured left wing, and he can't fly. And oh. so he lives with me at Ball State. And then Petunia is my cute little girl. She was actually uh, abandoned when she was younger, and um, a lady raised her up, um, hand-raised her. 
And so she is actually really sweet because she was hand raised by people, but she has also injured wings and she can't fly. And so she lives with me and she's my little cutie. Wow. Um, and so she's a real, real little sweetheart. Most bats in the wild are not sweet. If you were to pick up a wild big brown bat, it would bite you and it would be yeah. very bad. <laughs> but these little guys have been living with humans for and handled on a daily basis for you know three or four years now. And so right. they're really used to it. Kind of like some animals at a zoo are a lot more tame. They're still wild animals, uh, but they're you know they tolerate people pretty well. And so... Uh, these yeah, guys and we've been people. loving on the bats since they arrived uh, here in the studio, and they are so very soft. Yes, yeah, they're, for, they're so basically little soft. fur balls. Yeah, <laughs> they're like little cotton, little brown cotton balls, really, right? Yeah, and you're now feeding. I'm going to uh, give Petunia, Petunia a mealworm, and she is a good eater. And so I don't know if the microphone will pick up the chomping. Uh, hey, Tim, can you describe what a mealworm is? <laughs> So mealworms are just, uh, we can buy them at pet stores. This is what we use to feed a variety of different animals, including lizards and things like that. And it turns out it's really good food for bats. Wonderful. Now, I know you have, there's another way that I guess they can communicate with us, and that's the device that's sitting right in front of the, the bat box you have. And can you talk a little bit about that? So I've got a bat detector here. And what a bat detector does is it takes the the calls that these bats make, these Bats make calls that are very, very high frequency. Think of a dog whistle sure. where we can't hear them. And what the bat detector does is it takes those high frequency sounds and then converts them into a sound that we can hear. Wow. So we can actually hear what these bats are saying, if you will, right? The noises that they're making. And so when she's done eating, we can see if she'll <laughs> make some calls for us and we can record some of those. Oh, I am here. It's kind of like a, almost like a ticking sound. Clicking or a ticking mm -hmm. noise. And that's her using her echolocation. She sends out a call um, and it bounces off of an object and comes back to her. And with that information, she can tell what's going on. It's kind of, uh, think of Marco Polo. Yes. It's just like Marco Polo, but in the wild. So. So she's letting everyone know that she's got a mealworm. She's saying, there's mealworms over here, everybody. Come that, on. and then she's yeah. also using that sound to, just like we use our eyes to get information around us, she's using sound. So her eyes do work actually fairly well, but she uses sound primarily because at night there's not a lot of light, right? Sure. So they she uses sound to send out signals. They bounce off of objects, and she can tell how far away something is, how big it is, how small it is, if it's moving or stationary. She can even tell things like texture and things like that. So echolocation is a really amazing tool. We call it sonar. Dolphins use sonar sure, yeah. and bats use echolocation. It's the same thing. Just one's below water and one's above water. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And and I know the bats are here to remind us that there is a very, very special event that Wildlife Warriors is involved in coming up in October. Logan, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Of course. So on Sunday, October 21st, 1 o'clock p.m., we will be hosting a Pulling for Bats event where we basically cut and pull all of the invasive plants from an area. The reason we do this is because plants provide habitat for a lot of amazing insects that bats and many other animals like to eat. Mm -hmm. And by doing this, we kick the invasive plants out and we bring the native plants back in. And that just basically improves the habitat. Yes. Thank you, Julie. Wonderful. <laughs> and so where is this Where is this going to be? Where is everybody meeting uh, to do this? We're going to be meeting at Red Tail's uh, nature preserve called Muncie Woods. Mm -hmm. It's located out near Prairie Creek Reservoir. Right. Um, it's an area that we've been working for several years to remove invasive species. So one of the neat things is people won't only be able to come and um, interact with um, Tim and Logan and the the ambassador bats and learn about bats up close. But we're also going to be able to take a walk through the woods. And it's really dramatic to see the areas where we've been working to remove invasive species and what that natural woodland area looks like compared to the areas we haven't started working on yet. And so it's, it's really dramatic to see as well as we're going to then roll up our sleeves and get to work 
pulling for bats and removing the invasive honeysuckle and burning bush and some of the other plants that are, that are crowding out the important native plants that host the insects and food source and um, provide great habitat for the bats. Wonderful. And again, you said it, it starts at one o'clock. And do you know how long? It starts, at one, it starts at one o'clock. We're going to do a program on the bats. We're going to do a walk. So we anticipate um, wrapping up by three or three thirty. But if people want to stay and continue to work longer, we'll stay and work as long as people are. <laughs> as, <laughs> as long as you want to pull. You're as long get... <laughs> as you want to pull, we'll be there. Uh, yeah, we'll be there right alongside helping. Wonderful. And so uh, could people come and get more information about Wildlife Warriors at this event as well? Absolutely. Um, Wildlife Warriors, uh, we have a, a page on our website, which uh, Redtail's website is www.forthelandorg And we've got information on the Wildlife Warriors there as well. So there'll be information about the Pulling for Bat event. Um, we are uh, a year long program because as Tim mentioned, we feel that frequent, frequent interaction with nature is important. A one-time program, you can learn and feel good, but to really um, get what we're trying to accomplish and form a deep and lasting bond with nature, we feel you need, you know, frequent um, interactions. And so the program's a year-long program where we have the meetings once a month and frequent field trips and things to kind of supplement the, the interactions. And the bottom line, as, as Logan mentioned, that he's the mascot. As advisors to the club, we always look to Logan to keep it fun. And he's also our fun consultant to make sure everything we're doing yeah. is not just educational, but fun. That is yeah. the best job title <laughs> I have ever heard. Yes. I am a, jo- I am a fun consultant. I love it. That's fantastic. So what would you tell uh, other kids your age and younger kids, Logan, what would you tell them uh, about the club to encourage them to, to join and participate? I would tell them that nature can be really, really cool and animals aren't scary. They're really, really cool. Nature is the original video game, except with a lot better graphics and a lot less graphics lag. (laughs) that's awesome very well put i wish more and more people would play the nature game yeah (laughs) so one of the things about the wildlife warriors is is we have been just so uh, amazed with the success of the club um the participation by the kids has been amazing and one of the things that we decided fairly early on was in order to make sure that this club had the quality of the interactions that we wanted, we had to limit the size of it. And so the club is limited to the number of uh, people we can house. And right now we are kind of full. uh, So we're at about 15, 16 kids. We do have a waiting list and the sign up waiting list is on Redtail's website. Uh, and so we are considering, uh, you know, as, as other students move off, as they kind of mature in age mm-hmm. and, and move on to other things, we will have some openings. So if anybody's interested, again, uh, the Redtail website is the place to get more information on that. So uh, we can't take everybody. We'd love to take everybody. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, ways that we might be able to do that. But at this point, we do kind of have a limited enrollment. Uh, but certainly there's a waiting list and we'd love for folks to get onto that waiting list. Uh, yeah. And, and it's wonderful that there are opportunities like the Pulling for Bats event in October where you don't have to be a member of Wildlife Warriors. You can come bring the whole family and and educate yourselves and participate in really kind of a Wildlife Warriors event, uh, but on a larger scale. That's right. Are there other ways to to volunteer or get involved or is there anything that, that people can do to help Wildlife Warriors? I mean, you know, we have educational programs at Redtail and are always looking for groups who are interested in guided hikes and visiting all of our other nature properties. There are lots of ways to get involved and learn more about nature and help your kids get connected to nature, even not being part of the Wildlife Warriors. And there are lots of great organizations in town that help do that. Um, 
So I would encourage parents, um, if you can't commit to the year-long nature club, uh, to just do whatever they can to get their kids outdoors and exploring and, and taking part. Absolutely. We can all be wildlife warriors in our own way. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, uh, all of you, for joining us. Thank you uh, to Petunia and to Chocolate for joining us as well. This has really been an awesome community connection. Of course. Thank you very much. And remember, nature is fun for the whole family. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Community Connection is hosted by Michelle Kinsey and engineered by Sean Ashcraft and is sponsored in part by Open Door Health Services and the Ball State Federal Credit Union. To hear more from this conversation and listen to past episodes, visit our program website at indianapublicradio.org slash community connection.